0: welcome to Snazzy stories put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past Hi welcome to Snazzy stories if you would like to keep the storytelling alive please go to patreon.com/snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling adventure Also subscribe to Snazzy stories on iTunes, Spotify many podcast apps. Or go to snazzystories.com and leave an awesome review. Jesse Knight came from humble beginnings and grew to be one of the most prosperous mine owners in the Western Territories, and the most generous, which actually became a financial flaw. Jesse Knight was born to Newell and Lydia Knight in Nauvoo, Illinois on September 6, 1845. The Knight family was in the first company of LDS people to leave Council Bluffs, Iowa and to head to the west, looking for their Zion. They left in 1846. However, before that spring, his father Newell became ill and died, leaving his mother Lydia to care for her children on her own and get them the rest of the way to Utah. Lydia, along with her children, made it to Winter Quarters in the spring of 1847. She was now a widow and expecting her seventh child. Therefore, to help other Latter-day Saints traveling west, Lydia sent her teams of oxen and wagons with others who could travel better than she could in her current state. Lydia also sent her oldest son, Samuel, with another family to the Salt Lake Valley. Jesse, along with his siblings, stayed with his mother, Lydia, in a dugout home. As a single mom, Lydia began laundry services and sewing for others to provide financially for her children. Finally, her wagons and worn-out oxen were returned to her so that she could finally begin the trek west. However, with her oxen completely worn out, she was able to get help from the LDS Church funds to acquire a new team of oxen for her journey. By the time Lydia and her children reached the Salt Lake Valley, Jessie was five years old. While in Salt Lake, Jessie's mother became a teacher, and Jessie tended cows to earn a living. Jesse also helps the family food sources by spending hours looking for pigweed and sagalily lily roots. When Jesse was a little older, at the age of 11, he had shares in a team of oxen, and he used them to haul firewood. In 1857, the Knight family moved to Provo, and Jesse got a job gleaning potatoes and herding cows. Then at the age of 15, Jesse had a job with the Overland Mail Station. He drove a loaded-down wagon to Ely, Nevada. Throughout Jesse's life, he had many jobs and never seemed to lead an idle life. He was a hard worker, and that work ethic would lead to his success. While traveling for various jobs, he ended up leaving his childhood LDS faith. However, he would eventually come back to his religion and contribute to his religion's finances. Jesse married an LDS woman named Amanda McEwen. And though Amanda was a faithful member of her church, Jesse was an inactive member, who claimed he always rooted for the underdog, and in this case, the underdogs were the non-LDS people in Utah during this time. However, after Jesse witnessed the healing of one of his daughters, he came to believe in the LDS religion once again. When Jesse entered back into his religious ways, he made the decision to find ways to give back to the Lord for his years of unbelief. Jesse and his family lived in Payson, Utah, and he made his living as a rancher. Sometimes the herding of his cattle would take him into the area of the Tintic Mining District. At those times, Jesse would try his luck with prospecting, but he had little success. One particularly frustrating day, he headed to the mountains to think, because he had just found out that a friend had intended to cheat him in his business. While sitting under a pine tree on Godiva Mountain, he claims to have heard a heavenly voice speak to him, saying, Jesse, this country is here for the Mormons. Unquote. As Jesse sat recounting the voice, he interpreted the meaning to be that he should dig right there where he sat, and he would find his fortune within Godiva Mountain, and that the ground held wealth to benefit the LDS Church. He believed in the voice he had heard, so he staked a claim and began digging a tunnel. He asked his brother-in-law, who was considered to be an expert miner, to look into the property and evaluate the possibility of financial gain, and also offered him a partnership. His brother-in-law turned him down, telling Jesse he was not interested in, quote, an old humbug like this, unquote. But nonetheless, Jesse continued with his claim and named the mine Humbug. Within the Humbug Mine, Jesse found a rich vein of silver in 1896. The Humbug Mine became extremely profitable. The second shipment alone was worth $11,000. It was one of the richest lead silver veins found in the West. Soon Jesse Knight made multiple claims and began other mines, such as Uncle Sam, Beck Tunnel, Iron Blossom, and the Colorado Mine. He soon became known as the Mormon Mining Wizard, because he would find a rich strike by tunneling through areas that showed absolutely no evidence that rich ore existed there. Jesse Knight was unique in many ways, but for the time period he was very different from his capitalistic counterparts, especially in terms of his employees. Knight was frustrated by mining towns where miners would spend all their weekly wages in one night as they engaged in drunken behavior and leaving their families without financial stability. Therefore, Jesse created his own mining town two miles away from the mining town of Eureka and named it Knightsville. Jesse built 65 homes in which his miners could live. Then stores, churches, hotels, and a post office followed. By 1907, the town reached its peak population of 1,000 people. But something that didn't make his town unique was that there were no saloons or brothels allowed in Knightsville. He also made it clear that his hired workers would never be drunk or neglecting their families. If this was ever the situation, they would be fired on the spot. Something else that made Knight's feel unique was that Jesse paid his miners more than other mine owners because then Knight could close his mine on Sundays. Other mine owners expected their workers to work seven days a week and jokingly referred to Knight's mines as, quote, the Sunday school mines, unquote. Jesse Knight was very much respected by his workers and they affectionately referred to their boss as Uncle Jesse. Other mine owners did not like Knight's policies, so they banded together and refused to mill ore from his mine. They also got the railroads to not haul ore from Knight's mines. Jesse solved both problems by building his own mill, and he built his own railroad, called the East Tintic. Electrical power was also refused to the town of Knightsville, along with coal and water. So... Jesse again stepped up and built power lines, water lines, and dug a coal mine, which employed more people to work. A school was also built for the children of the miners, paid for by Jesse himself. Despite the fact that he had become a mining millionaire, he believed himself to be a trusted steward over the land of Utah. He said, quote, the earth is the Lord's bank, and no man has the right to take money out of the bank and use it extravagantly upon himself, Unquote. And, as mentioned earlier, he was determined to find ways to help his religion after leaving it earlier in his life. Jesse loaned the LDS church thousands of dollars and continued to open businesses to employ many unemployed Utahns who were strapped financially from the 1893 Depression. As a resident of Provo and his children's education being from Brigham Young Academy, Jesse donated 500 acres of land to the school, cash, and trust funds. This helped the academy grow to become Brigham Young University. Jesse Knight's ability to give was unfortunately exceeded by the fact that his minds eventually ran dry. He wasn't a particularly shrewd businessman and careful necessarily with his money, due to the fact that he gave, as if he would always have, endless amounts of money. Jesse passed away in 1921, and eventually his fortune ran out with the Great Depression. But he continued until the end of his life to be a giving human being, and definitely had a distinct knack for finding rich veins of ore where others said it couldn't be done. He indeed was the Mormon mining wizard. The historian John S. McCormick wrote about Jesse, quote, One of the best-known mine owners was Uncle Jesse Knight, an active Mormon with extensive claims in the Tintic Mining District. His company town, Knightsville, was probably the only saloon-free, brothel-free mining town in the United States. Old-timers said that no man prayed more and met with more success than Knight, unquote. Jesse began his life in humble beginnings and in some ways really ended it that way as well. However, along the way, he made a positive influence in his employees' everyday life. And to Jesse, that seemed to be what mattered in his life, what a person does to help other people. Thank you for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come back again where everyone has a story.